Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Church, great singing this morning. Choir, I appreciate the good music, the good spirit this morning. Always an honor to be able to preach this morning and any morning, anywhere. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll be in specifically verses 5 to 11, but I want to read verses 1 to 11 for sake of context. And while you're turning there, I want to give you some history of the reading of this book, why we have the book of 2 Peter and why we have the book of 1 Peter. Peter is writing this book, these two books, to a church that has been scattered, to a church that has been persecuted. Uh, Nero, goal in life was to exterminate and to eradicate the church. And uh, if you look at, I'm going to flip there and read there, but in 1 Peter the very first book, verse 1, it says, Peter, the apostle of Christ, to the refugees scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Boletia. So he's writing this to a group of people who are scattered, who are in distress, who are under immense amount of persecution. And he is writing this passage to a church, to a group of people who need encouragement, but also who are going into a very difficult time in their life. And so I thought it was fitting to, to preach this as we're going into talking about graduates, and uh, we've got one high school graduate, one college graduate. They're going into another chapter of their life, and uh, schooling becomes different, or maybe there's an absence of schooling. And uh, so we want to look at this passage and see uh, some things that we can add to our faith or supplement to our faith in knowing Jesus Christ. And so Second Peter chapter 1, I hope you found your place there. We're going to stand in honor of reading God's Word. And we'll read the first 11 verses here this morning. They'll be on the screen as well. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have attained like precious faith, with us through the righteousness of God and of our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of our God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. According as he has divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertaineth unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that call, he hath called us unto glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world through lust. And our main passage here, verses 5 through 11, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, Virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make that you neither shall be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins." Wherefore, the rather, brethren, given diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. For in so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this reading. We thank you for these words. Thank you for the encouragement. They've been in my life over these last weeks of studying it. I pray, God, that you would help us to honor the word in honor of your scripture, in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. He starts out by saying, 
in this passage that we need to grow in grace and grace and multiply upon us. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and in the day of eternity. So as we examine this passage and as we begin to, to add to our faith or supplement our faith, we need to ask ourselves, what are we supplementing? We've experienced salvation, correct? We, we know that, that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. He says here, we know that he's writing to the church because he said that you have obtained like precious faith. So he starts out by talking about this salvation experience that we have received. But then he goes on and he says there's some things that we need to supplement our faith with. There's some things that we need to grow in our grace and knowledge. Look at the definition of supplement, right? This is the definition. I think it's a good working definition too. It says, a thing adding to something else in order to complete it or enhance it. All right, so a supplement, right? How many of you in here go to the gym and work out? I used to. A couple of us. Not many of us are raising our hand. Okay, which is fine. How many of you take vitamins of any sort in the morning? A couple more. How many of you have to take medication? Maybe you've got a heart disease. You've got diabetes. You've got, all right, these are supplements. These are things that we're taking to help complete our life. If we don't take our medication, okay, my wife has high blood pressure. She has to take high blood pressure medicine. She doesn't take it. Her body's going to be in ill effect. She's going to have headaches. She's going to be grumpy. She's going to complain to me. All right, so I make sure she takes her medicine. I want her to take her supplements so that she can be complete or whole or enhanced. GNC made a brand off of simply doing this thing. I'm going to take something, pre-workout, post-workout, whatever it may be, and I'm going to build a brand around supplements that people can take. If you're low on iron, go to GNC, get some iron pills, and it's going to help you. You're going to be able to grow. You're going to have that, that fullness in your body. Uh, if you're, you're going to work out, you take a pre-workout. When I used to work out in high school, I would take protein shakes and I would, I would, eat, I would eat healthy and I would do these things. Nowadays, there's pre-workout, there's during workout, there's post-workout, there's nighttime workout shakes that you can take. I mean, they've enhanced this, this, supplemental, this supplemental business because they have realized that people are missing something, so they want to supplement it. And Paul, Peter, in the same way, said, we are missing something in our life as a church, and we need to supplement that. Verse 8, again, it says, for if these qualities are in you, you're increasing. And then he makes this, in verse 12, I didn't read it, but I want to look at it. It says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Why would Peter say, I need to remind you of these qualities? Well, I believe it's because he was understanding that he also failed at some of these things. And he understands that we are going to fail as well, and we need to be reminded of some qualities that we need to supplement our faith with in order to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Came across uh, the, the story of John Denver, the passing of John Denver. How many of you have heard of the name John Denver? Raise your hand. Okay, he, he's a country songwriter and musician, right? He sang the song that everybody knows. Country roads, right? Take me home, all right? And it was very interesting because he was a pilot. I've always been fascinated with, with flying. I've never uh, actually been in like a, the cockpit, but Shirley Grider's son, he, he said he would take me one day out on their little plane. And I've always thought that was interesting just to be able to go up and to be able to see out that front cockpit and to see everything. Uh, but he loved flying. And in 1997, he crashed a plane and that's how he was, his demise was. 
And what had happened was, is he was flying a state-of-the-art, a, a new lightweight-style plane, and uh, it had the gas tank set right behind the driver's seat. And so what happened was, is as he's driving, he realized that he was running out of gas in his first tank, and he was in the process of switching to the secondary tank, which was sitting behind the passenger seat. And they said when they did the crash analysis and they came in and they, they investigated everything, they said it did not matter because he was in the process of switching. If he ever switched that tank to the secondary tank, because he failed to fill the secondary tank. He failed to fill the secondary tank of that plane and he overlooked something. Did all of his pre-check, but he failed to do that one thing. And because he failed to overlook the secondary tank, he crashed and died that day. Church, I think that sometimes we overlook filling the second tank in this Christian life begins with being born again. And we know we're Christians. We know we're, we're saved and we've got our, our ticket punched to heaven. But there's more to this life that we have to supplement our faith with. And this is where we're going to look at these, first, these, these five verses, six verses as Peter lays out some small little qualities that make a huge difference in our life. That if we can take and we can maybe apply one of these each day of this week or maybe take one of them and apply one this week and then next week take another one and over the next seven weeks just apply these qualities. I'm not saying go home and take all seven of them and try to force them in today, but maybe over the next seven days or the next seven weeks we decide to add one of these to our life so that we can take something small to grow into something big. And the first one is this, virtue. And my slide's messed up today, so pay attention if you want to. And I've got notes providing your bulletin. The first one is virtue, and I've got a statement defining that. And then I've got a warning that we can sort of take from virtue. The first is this, virtue, having courage to decide what is right. Having courage to decide what is right. This is virtue. So the definition, but sort of defining each of these words to help us understand it. And I'm going to practically apply all this at the very end, so stick with me. I'm not going to be super long with seven points, but I'm going to try my best to, to hurry through this. And so having the courage to decide what is right. And the warning here is our passions can sometimes hinder us. Right? Have you ever seen maybe a little kid who's just passionate about baseball or, or football? And they're just, man, they're, they're gung-ho, ready to go. They're ready to, to take into the major leagues, right? They're, uh, right now, Bernie's playing baseball, so baseball's on my mind. And so he's ready to be like a major league player. Dad, I'm ready to hit it. I'm ready to knock it out of the park. I mean, I'm ready to catch the pop flies. Like, he has virtue, and sometimes his passion can hinder him, right? During, during batting practice. He's knocking the balls. He's dinging them, man. He's doing great. But then the game time comes, and his passion is a lot greater than his actual ability. And then he gets up to swing, and he gets nervous, and he jumps out of the plate, or he doesn't swing, and he strikes out, and he comes, and he, he's a little torn because his passion is greater than what he actually has. And virtue is a commitment to having the courage to take a stand for what is right. My mind went to, to Daniel. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 says this, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's drink. Virtue is having resolved to do what is right. And this only happens when we rely on God's divine power and his purpose. As I read in verse 3, according to his divine power, he has given us to obtain these life of godliness. Virtue only happens when we know this book. 
Virtue only happens when our life is so consumed with the Word of God that it is directing everything in our life. And then the warning here is passions can hinder us. Our passions can sometimes withdraw us from doing what is right. The second thing we want to add here is is knowledge. Knowledge, gaining correct insight to know what is right. Knowledge, gaining the correct insight to know what is right. Church, this morning, desire alone is not good enough. We've got to add knowledge, right? I'm picking on Brody this morning. I'm going to pick him a little bit more. He's not in here. He's helping my wife with Children's Church, and so I'm going to pick him a little bit. Brody, a couple years ago, we just moved into our house. This year will be three years in our house in November, and a couple years ago, you know, kids are going to be kids, and, and uh, he's, he's, he's in this, you, you guys have kids, you know this, they get in this labeling phase, right? They want to label everything that's theirs. They don't want someone else to think that that's theirs, and so they begin labeling, and so he had the desire to label stuff. This desire of labeling led him to a Sharpie in the kitchen counter that led him to his room where he wanted to label his um, windowsill with the Sharpie. He wrote Brody's room, right? Knowledge would have told him not to do that, but desire led him to do it. And so knowledge is having the correct insight to know what is right. Pride can stop us from admitting our ignorance. Pride gets in the way. It was our lesson this morning in Sunday school where we talked about having humility and having pride can hinder us in those areas. But as I began to look and examine this thought of knowledge, my mind went to the book of Judges. The very last verse in the book of Judges says this, in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Too often, that is the earthly knowledge, is doing what's right in your eyes. It's today's culture, right? I've said it before. What is Oprah Winfrey's favorite stay, fa- phrase? You do you. And that is contrary to what the scripture says in our life. Proverbs twelve fifteen: the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. Proverbs 21, 2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But then we get to 2 Chronicles chapter 14, and we get to look at this guy named Asa. We don't know a lot about Asa. We know he was a writer, and he's got a couple of psalms. But Asa in 2 Chronicles chapter 14 says this, and as the writer was writing this, it said, And Asa did, was good and right in the eyes of his Lord, his God. He didn't care about what was right in his eyes. He cared about what was right in the eyes of God. And that's what he chose to do with the knowledge that he had. Hebrews 5.14, the writer says this, Those that have the powers of discernment are trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Again, how do we get this knowledge? By having the Word of God inside of our life that is directing our life. And and I love this part in Hebrews chapter 5.14 because it says this, the powers of discernment that are trained by constant practice. There's times we're going to fail. There's times we're not going to have the right knowledge. We're not going to have the ability to do right because we're trusting in ourselves. We're doing what's right in our eyes. And it's constant practice that brings us back to that correction. Peter said it, or Paul said it like this in 1 Timothy. Very familiar verse. 2 Timothy chapter 3.16, most of us could probably quote it in here. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, 
for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. One commentator said it like this, and I thought it was so powerful. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching. This is what is right. For reproof, what is not right. For correction, how to get right, and training in righteousness, this is how to stay right. So all scripture is there to tell us what's right, to tell us what's not right, to help us to get right, and to help us to stay right. That's what scripture's there for. When I go through my counseling, and I love doing counseling and biblical counseling, one of the questions I ask people is this, how often is scripture in your life? Another way to say it is this, how often are you reading God's word? You want to know what most people say? Oh, I read, I, read, I read the Bible, Pastor James. So you know, my second question is, how often? How often are you reading God's word and how much? Now, there's not a quantity here that says if I read 45 chapters a day, I'm going to be a good Christian. But there is a principle of applying God's word in our life to teach us what is right, to help us to stay right, to, to keep us right, to help us to get right, and to help us to stay right. There is this practice here in 2 Timothy that helps us understand that God's word gives us that knowledge in our life. And it's a battle every single day. That's why it says it's a constant practice to add knowledge to our life. So we add virtue. We supplement our faith with knowledge. We supplement our faith with self-control. Self-control, practicing self-discipline to choose what is right. Practicing self-discipline to choose what is right. And the warning here, pleasures of life can easily cause us to compromise. The pleasures of life can easily cause us to compromise. There are things in our life where the pleasures and the, the, the ability to grow in life can compromise our well-being. Sometimes there's a huge gap between what we know and our actions, right? Talked about Brody there. What he knows in his actions. Self-control bridges that gap. Self-control steps in and says, you know what? You know to do right. And you, you, you sort of, your actions aren't right. So, so I'm going to bring self-control back into your life. First Corinthians says it like this. Do you not know that we're on a race? We're running a race. We're athletes. So do you not run the race to obtain? Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Yet they do not receive a perishable wreath, but an imperishable, which is what Christ gives us. And so we're only running this race in order to receive a prize. And he says, if we're going to win this race, if we're going to run this race, there must be self-control in our life. As I was doing our Sunday school lesson this morning, we talked about Moses and Jethro, if you were in that study, uh, in various different classes. And, and Jethro said, Moses, you're doing too much. You're going to have to throttle back what you're doing. You need some self-control in your life. And Jethro was that advice of self-control in his life. And there are times where we need people in our life to come in and help us in understanding this self-control. So we have virtue, we have knowledge, we have self-control. But then he says, let's add steadfastness. Let's add steadfastness. This is simply saying, learning to be calm and keep doing right. Learning to be calm and keep doing right. The warning here is this, pressures of life can easily lead us to be impatient. How many of us are impatient in here this morning, right? I'm an impatient guy. Like if I've got to get somewhere, I want to get there and I want to get it done. There's a reason that I get to the church at 8 o'clock in the morning on, on a Sunday morning. Church Sunday school starts at what time? 9 o'clock, just making sure you guys are awake. 9 o'clock we have Sunday school. 
okay? I want you to be here for Sunday school, so 9 o'clock. I get here at 8 o'clock, and typically it's me and Jade, and Jade comes through and opens all the doors. She unlocks all the doors, turns all the lights on. We come in and lift the blinds up, and, and I get here early. I get to my office. I start reading scripture. I start looking at my lesson. I want to make sure I'm prepared. Okay, I get here, and I've got plenty of time. Allison, on the other hand, my wife, decides to get here at 8.59. I can't get here at 8.59. Okay, I know church starts at 9 o'clock, but I've got to get here early. If I've got a doctor's appointment and I'm going to uh, Miss Kelly's office and I've got a doctor's appointment at 9 o'clock, I'm getting there at 8.40, 8.45. Okay, I'm not waiting till 9 o'clock to get there. I'm getting there early. If, we're going, if I've got an appointment to be somewhere, I'm being there early no matter what it is. That's just who I am. My wife's like, hey, we got an appointment at 9 o'clock. We'll get there at 9 o'clock. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works in my mind. And I began to get impatient. I'm like, hey, we got to leave 10 minutes ago. What are you doing? Let's go. We got we to gotta get going. And impatience can sometimes lead us to not having the calmness that we need. Steadfastness is the ability to endure when circumstances are difficult. Sometimes it's easy to walk away from what is right because it's easy to do. When there are times in our life where we must stick firm and stand firm because we know that it's the right thing to do. One of my favorite small little passages of Scripture, you may want to write this down. Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 25. Deuteronomy 33, 25 says this, As your days, so shall your strength be. I think it's interesting because it doesn't say here, as your family is, that's how your strength's going to be. As your career is, that's how your strength's going to be. As your wealth is, that's how your strength's going to be. As your health is, that's how your strength's going to be. It says, no, as your days is, that's how your strength is going to be. Now, you see, I don't know what holds tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow. And I know that God is holding my tomorrow, so God is my strength. And so, therefore, I can rest in knowing that as my day is, as my God is, that is where my strength is. In church, when we're in these difficult times, learning to do right, learning to be calm, and learning to be steadfast is what God is saying. We have got to have that. Things are going to be tough. Remember what 2 Peter is writing to, a church who is on the precipice of annihilation. For Peter to write these words, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, he's literally writing his death wish. He's literally saying, Nero, I'm a Christian, it's okay if you kill me. He stood up with boldness and he stood up to do what was right, even when it was hard and even when it was difficult. Steadfastness. We've got to add this to our life. Number five, and I've got to quickly hurry. We've got to add godliness. Choosing godly character to be right. Our possessions can oftentimes take our eyes off of God. One writer said it this way, godliness is simply practicing a practical awareness of God in every area of your life. I love how Spurgeon said it. Spurgeon said, doing everything we do to the glory of God. If I'm going to Walmart, as best as you can, do it for the glory of God, <laughs> right? Walmart can be taxing. If you're going to the doctor's office, do it for the glory of God. 
If you're going to work, do it for the glory of God. If you're getting in your car and you're driving your kid to school, do it for the glory of God. This is godliness in our life. Godliness is simply God-likeness. A desire to be conformed to the character of who God is. A good practical study of this is the life of Joseph. Joseph goes through his life, and I can read several passages of Scripture. I'm going to give you the references, Genesis 39, 7 through 9. Joseph, we know the story where the master's wife wanted him to lie with him, and he said, I cannot do this wicked thing because I would sin against God. Genesis 48, and it says here that Joseph had dreams, and he said, I do not belong to these interpretations. The interpretations belong to God. Genesis 41, 16, it said, it is not... For me, but God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And it goes on and on. Genesis 41, 51 and 52. Genesis 45, verses 55. Genesis 50, verses 19 through 20 says this. And Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in the place of God. As for you, you meant it for evil, but God means it for good. Godliness is bringing God into every aspect of our life. 1 Timothy 6, 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Philippians 3 says it like this, but whatever I gain, I counted it for loss for the sake of Christ. For knowing that I have gained Jesus Christ, I have gained everything this world has to offer. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. For the sake I have suffered loss in all things, the things that I've lost, I've counted it as rubbish. He says, godliness is the greatest thing that we can gain in this world, and it should be brought into every aspect of our life. What I think is interesting is as Peter gives these supplements to our life, the first five, he simply deals with the heart. He simply deals with the inside of us. Virtue. This is only something that you can add. Knowledge. This is uh, someone... Roy, Roy Lynn can't come up here and give me knowledge. I have to gain that knowledge by listening to those that are around me. Self-control, I have to practice it. Steadfastness, this is something I have to develop. And godliness is something that I must develop inwardly. But then he begins to take this inward transition. And he says, okay, you've worked on, on yourself. You've worked on who you are. You've become a godly person. Now let's add two external things. Let's work on the outside a little bit. The first one is this, brotherly affection. Number six, brotherly affection. Take time for people to care right. The warning here, and it's sadly the warning is this, blessing people is hard to do because people are hard to help at times. This is an attitude again of the heart. It's simply saying we must be there in order to help other people. We must have brotherly affections. I love in 1 Thessalonians it says, Now concerning brotherly love, the same, same word again is used by Paul. And it says, Have need for no other to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. What was Jesus' teaching to his disciples right before he went to the cross? Love your neighbor as yourself, and by doing so, they're going to know that you're my disciples. By showing brotherly love. Listen, church, if, if it were easy to love one another, and everyone was doing it, Peter wouldn't have put it here. 
Peter would not have said, hey, you need to add brotherly love to yourself. Because this is something that we're struggling with. We all struggle with it because we're selfish at times. And he said, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. But it's not. Peter himself said, I struggle with this as well because I'm writing this and I want to remind you of these things. And he's saying, I need to encourage you to, in Ephesians chapter 4, be kind one to another. Forgiving one another as God has forgave you. Brotherly affection, taking time for people to care right. And then it brings into the second one here, or, or the last point here of these first seven, is adding to our faith love. Supplementing to our faith love. This is being compassionate toward everyone to love right. The public can be hard to reach. The public can be hard to, eat, to reach. I'm a baker. You guys know I like to eat. You guys know I like to cook. And my mom taught me years and years ago. My grandma taught me years ago. She was a cake baker. She said, James, when you make things, you've got to have a binding agent, right? You've got to make sure there's an egg in your cake so all the ingredients come together. Okay, if you don't have an egg, there's substitutes. You can use applesauce. You can use other things. Those are my two things that I go to, so I don't have to Google everything else I could use. Okay, but you got to have a binding agent, right? To bring everything together. And the Apostle Peter here is saying, what brings all these qualities together is simply love. This supplement of love in action is simply love with the hands and the feet of Jesus. Colossians 3.14 says this, Above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. 1 Peter 4.18, 1 Peter 4.8, a couple of passages back, it says, Above all, keeping love one another earnestly. Love is what binds this Christian journey together. And we are the hands and feet of Jesus this morning, church. There's a poem that I heard years ago, and it stuck with me anytime I talk about love. And it says this, God has no hands but our hands to do his work today. God has no feet but our feet to lead others in his way. God has no voice but our voice to tell others that he died. And God has no help but our help to lead them to his side. Church, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And if we are not bringing people to Jesus, who's going to bring them to Jesus? Who's going to tell them about Jesus if we don't tell them about Jesus? There's a song. It's an old contemporary song. I say old. It was out when I was a teenager, okay? It's not really that old, but it's an older song. It's called Mighty to Save. And it simply says this, everyone needs compassion. A love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on Pastor Bradley. No, let mercy fall on me. I need mercy as well. I need compassion as well. Everyone needs forgiveness. The kindness of the Savior. The hope of the nations. Church this morning, graduates this morning, we have to bring people to Jesus. And when we add these seven things when we begin to supplement our faith with these seven things, in verse 8, Peter sort of says, okay, these are the things that you need to add. Now what's going to happen once you do that? What is the practical application to Scripture, right? If I can't apply it, then it's no good. And so here it is. Here's the, 
the application, the results of taking God's supplements, right? If I take blood pressure medicine, what's it going to do? It's going to bring my blood pressure down or it's going to take my blood pressure up, depending on whatever it is. If I take iron pills, it's going to raise my iron. If I take protein shakes, it's going to infuse protein into my muscles when I work out. And so there's a result for the things that we take. And so if we take these supplements, what are we going to result in? Simply put, three things, and I'll be done. Verse 8, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The first one is this, verse 8, you will be flourishing. For if these qualities are in you and they're yours, you will be increasing. Right, I just now began, uh, like I said, we moved into our house three years ago, so I've had this journey of working on my yard and buying new equipment and getting things ready. And, and uh, Chris Millsap said, hey, you need to get this specific fertilizer because you live in the area where I live at, and this is going to help your yard grow. And so I went to Becky, and Becky loaded me up with some fertilizer, and I came home, and I fertilized my yard. And you know what happened? It grew. I got to mow my yard more now than I had to mow before. Okay, because I gave sustenance to my yard. And if I want my yard to grow, I've got to give my yard nutrients. I've got to give my yard these vitamins. And if I want my faith to grow, I've got to do the same thing. If I want these in my life, I will be increasing, is what Peter says here. You will be flourishing when you take these, these supplements. When we begin to apply these to our life, these little things, right? You're like, Pastor James, these are, these are so simple. Like, this could be a children's church lesson, right? These, these are the things you need to add. And yet they're so simple and they're so profound, but how often do we fail to do it? Me including, I'm there. How often do we fail to show love, to have virtue, to have knowledge, to have godliness, to have brotherly love, to have self-control in our life? And he says, but yet when you do this, you will be flourishing. He then goes on to say, these, these, these supplements, they're also going to flourish you, they're going to increase you, but they're going to keep you from being ineffective. You will be fulfilling. You will be fulfilled in your life if we can take these supplements and we can put it in our life. Right? Have you ever, uh, eight, eight years ago, eight years ago, I, I was going through life and, and I, was, I, was, I was waking up and I woke up and, and I just thought it was part of life that when you woke up you were supposed to have a headache and you were supposed to still be tired when you woke up from your, your rest at night. And I, that's just how life was. And so uh, I began to have what was called sleep apnea. And my wife said, James, you got to go to the doctor and get this thing checked out. So I went to the doctor. And they said, hey, you've got a really bad case. Okay, you stopped breathing 140 times in two hours. It's really, really bad. Like the next day, they showed up at my house with a CPAP machine because they rushed it that fast because it was that bad. My life was not fulfilling because I was not getting the adequate sleep that I needed. I was, you can put it this way, ineffective because my life was not fulfilled. And so physically speaking, I had to be fulfilled so I could be effective. And spiritually speaking, in the same way, we have got to be filled with these supplements in order to be effective in our Christian journey. But not only does it say that it's going to be increasing and we're going to be flourishing and fulfilling, but it says that you if you do not add these things, you will be unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the opposite of unfruitful would be fruitful. 
So you're going to be flourishing, you're going to be fulfilling, and you are going to be fruitful. We add these qualities in our life and we're going to see our life grow in the honor and the glory of who God is. And we're going to see our, ourselves grow in the knowledge of who Christ is. John 15, 4, I alluded to this verse earlier. I'm going to read it now. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Church, this morning, if we want to be fruitful, we have got to abide in Jesus Christ. And we've got to live our life that is refreshing to others. My wife right now, end of school's happening, or, or already happened. They're done with school, hallelujah. And so uh, she, she got all the end-of-the-year gifts. And she got like $75 in Starbucks gift cards. Like, who gives a teacher $75 in Starbucks gift cards? Okay, who's going to use that? Their husband? Yes. Okay, and so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I've been, been when, when the last couple of days of school, I would, I would go and I would get her, get her a Starbucks or whatever. And she said, hey, James, there's these new Starbucks. It's a strawberries and cream frappuccino. Okay, not a fruit guy. I'm a coffee guy. I'm like, meh, it's whatever. So I got my coffee. I got her strawberries and cream frappuccino. And I was like, you know what? I've got like five minutes before I got to get there. I'm going to take a sip of it. Oh, my goodness. I'm not a fruit guy, but this strawberries and cream, Starbucks Frappuccino, I'm not trying to promote Starbucks or anything, I'm just trying to tell you how awesome this thing was. It was the most refreshing thing I've ever put in my mouth. Okay? Let me ask you this. When you walk up to somebody, when you walk away, is that how they feel about you? Man, I feel refreshed. That person just helped me out. Or when you walk away, is you're like, man... The world's coming to an end, okay? That person was Eeyore, and all, uh, it's, it's just the baddest thing ever. I don't want to live anymore. It's horrible, okay? Is that how people feel when they walk away from us? Or are they fulfilled and fruitful when they walk away from us? Are they refreshed when people live around us? Church, we are the light of the world. We cannot be hid. We have to be refreshing and fruitful in this world. As our musicians come, I'm going to give a couple of closing statements. The goal in this life of Christ is flowing into you. And then we should be overflowing from us so that we can refresh the world around us. The goal in this life is that Christ flows in us so that he overflows from us so that we can refresh the world around us. The Bible says in the last two verses that I read, 9 and 10, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that you're blind. Having been forgotten that you were cleansed from your former sins, therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. He simply says, if you decide not to do these things, if you lack these qualities, you're going to be like the blind man who can't see there's a cliff in front of you and you're going to fall off of it. Or you can add these qualities to your life and you can be someone who is refreshing and fulfilling and flourishing in everyone that's around them. Growing in these qualities, growing in these qualities has an eternal result that the world cannot ignore and the world cannot give. We must live our life in a way that is godly, 
that is loving, that is these seven qualities that I just said. And as, Paul, as the Apostle Paul said, the gains of heaven will more than compensate the losses on this earth. We're going to go through hard times. We're going to go through losses. We're going to go through things that we will say, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But with God's grace and these supplements, church, I really believe that we can grow to where God has for us in our life. We're all starting a new chapter. We're all, it's not just the ones that are graduating high school and college. We all are beginning a new chapter in our life where we are, are experiencing new things. And we've got to say, God, am I keeping you the center? Am I keeping you first and foremost in everything that I'm doing? Are you getting the honor and glory out of everything that I'm doing? Father, we thank you for this day. As we go into this time of invitation, God, I pray that your name be lifted high. I pray that you get the honor and glory of everything that's said and done. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand as Mark comes and leads us. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.